0: Hello and welcome to the Cardboard Swords cast. I'm super happy to have you today. I am your host, Vincent. I'm joined by co-host and friend, Ludwin, and we will be discussing Kickstarter. And wow, is this a big topic, as well as our last topics. We're covering some really big topics. Uh, I'm getting tongue-tied now. We're covering some really big topics, aren't we, Ludwin?
1: Yeah, as of late, I mean, we've covered the, our last big cut co- topic that we recorded was the uh tcg one and that was two parts because all the information and if we wanted to that could have been three parts but uh i don't think we wanted to do that at that time
0: (laughs) yeah not at the moment but who's to say in the future if people want it we might you know do some more parts about tcg and same could be true about kickstarter we could do more parts of these as well
1: Yeah, right now we're just going in general with Kickstarter, and I'm pretty sure everything could be even more uh, in-depth talked about because Kickstarter is something everyone's been talking about for a a variety of products.
0: Yeah, Yeah. Kickstarters are very popular. A lot of people know what they are, even if they haven't backed anything and before we really dive in i just want to let everyone know i got a new puppers you know he's adorable and he's uh beside me and uh so if if there's any ruckus being caused just know that that's uh our puppy ham so just keep that in mind i think he's gonna be a good boy though so we're gonna to try to get through this without any interruptions
1: hey i don't think it will be too much of an issue but <laughs> i just learned the name of the pup Ham.
0: (laughs) Yeah, his name's Ham because apparently his whole litter was named after, like, Fall Foods because they were born one week before Thanksgiving. And so, like, his sister was Pumpkin and he had a brother named Broccoli and a bunch of names like that. And uh, I I was kind of more in favor of changing his name, but Abby really wanted to keep his name. And I'm more okay with it in terms of, like, there's a lot – like, Ham can be short for a lot of things. You have Hamilton, Hambone. I can call him, like, I don't know, Hamden, Hamtaro. Uh, I don't know. I can just call him whatever. There's, like, so many things that you could say with the, the name Ham. So it's been at least fun uh, having that name.
1: I, I think we're showing our age because Hamtaro was the first name first name to come to my head. And then you mentioned it. It's like, you know, most a lot of people wouldn't get that reference nowadays.
0: Hey, Abby is a huge Hamtaro fan. So she's she's on board with us.
1: All right. So do you, want to, do you want to start jumping in?
0: Yeah, yeah. Why don't you tell everyone what our topics uh, in particular will be when talking about Kickstarter t- today?
1: All right. So our goal, the topics we're planning on covering is how to find a Kickstarter. like Because there's so many. How do you find one? Why to back certain Kickstarters and why not to back others? So basically, which ones to support? What to look out for? in a kickstarter because not every kickstarter is successful not every kickstarter that gets its money you know will uh actually become published there's many issues that go into that Uh, well many factors not issues uh we'll talk about some of the kickstarters we have backed or created in vincent's case uh and also talking about how Kickstarter is being used by some companies to be a pre-order instead of backing a project or funding one. And then we're also going to talk about some alternatives like Indiegogo, uh, GoFundMe, GameFund, and any other ones we can name. And we're also going to mention FOMO, which is the fear of missing out, which a lot of these Kickstarters ride to try and get people to hop on while the Kickstarter is going. Because once these products get made, you can't get some of this stuff.
0: Yeah. And in addition to all of that super packed stuff, we also will have another Q&A at the end of this episode. Uh, we got some wonderful questions that we'll be covering. So uh, as you can tell, there's a lot to dive into. So let's start with how to find a Kickstarter. Ludwin, how would someone go about finding a Kickstarter?
1: it depends if you're already somebody in the hobby like you love board games and all that stuff you might already have a couple youtubers or people you watch talking about board games and they might link one themselves or somebody might have created one or in for example in your case Vincent, you just advertise it on your discord and people be like oh there's a vincent has a kickstarter let's go back this you know or The other way is just hop on to the Kickstarter website and just search for what you want because you can search in there and find find a variety of products that match what you might want.
0: Yeah, which for those that don't know, I guess we should have covered right off the top. What Kickstarter is, is it's a crowdfunding platform. Essentially, anyone that has a project that they want to have made, uh, they probably will need some sort of monetary funding for it. And instead of taking that risk and just putting you know, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, or in some case millions of dollars forward, uh, and then not knowing if there's even an audience for it, that's a huge risk for any investment. So Kickstarter gives people the platform to say, hey, here's my project. If you like it, you can put money towards this. And then if it reaches its funding goal, which is the amount of money that they need to have the project be successful, then theoretically they will then make the project get it released, put out to the public, and then anyone that backed it and supported it will normally get certain perks. They might get early access, they might get a special edition that you only get through supporting it on Kickstarter, they may get it for a discounted price, etc.
1: Yeah, and that's that kind of falls under why to back them. If you love one of these products, because like, it they're very common for tabletop. You can find dice, you can find miniatures, you can find them making their own tabletop games. Or other products, and a lot of the why to back them. You want this product. You want whatever they're advertising. Like, hey, I want this. So you would pitch in a certain amount of money. Now the money you pitch in depends on the Kickstarter. For example, uh, they might have a one dollar. You could pitch in one dollar, but you get you just get a thank you. But you could pitch in twenty bucks, and you might get a copy of the item or you might get certain perks if you pitch in more money. It kind of depends on what you're uh, aiming for because every, every Kickstarter campaign tells you, all right, if you pitch in this much, this is what you get.
0: Yes, and it's based on each individual project. So Kickstarter itself is just a platform where people create their own projects separately. So for example, whenever I create a Kickstarter, it's created independently of, of Kickstarter. It's not like I'm working together with them. I'm simply using their service to put my own project on there. And what my project is or what my funding goal is or how much people need to back for certain rewards, that's all dependent on me. And so you can find certain people uh, just like any other platform. Uh, they there, there might be people that are scummy. There might be people that have a really good deal set up. They might have people there that uh, don't know what they're doing or people that are professionals there's a wide swath of what you'll find because it covers the entire spectrum of like people that aren't directly working with kickstarter it's just people making their own projects and using kickstarter as a platform
1: yeah kickstarter has so many different projects and kickstarter is a just basically a place where they can put it on and advertise it kickstarter really doesn't do much like Yes, they'll take a small percentage of whatever the funding goal is, but from there, if you set, let's say you need $500 to make your product reality. All right, you can set your goal to $500, but that doesn't mean that once you reach it, you're done. You can surpass it, and in some cases, some developers or creators or whatever will we'll add stretch goals, where if we reach this goal, we might upgrade this product and add this in. Oh, hey, instead of using wood, we'll use steel, or instead of this, we'll do that, or add new characters, you know, based on how much money they get to motivate people to keep on going.
0: And we're definitely focused a lot more on the tabletop angle, because that's what this podcast is about. It's about tabletop gaming. But with Kickstarter, there are projects on there that can be comic books, video games, Uh, It could be cameras. It can be a documentary series. It can be basically any creative endeavor you can think of. uh, It can be any of that, uh, which includes a lot outside of tabletop gaming. Now, with that being said, tabletop gaming is very popular on the platform. It has one of the most success ratios when it comes to funding. And a lot of tabletop gamers go to Kickstarter because it's very, um, I don't know, it's just very easy for like a small-time publisher to to like get access to the platform and to put their project on there and to get started from Kickstarter.
1: Yeah, it, the thing is, it's to help reduce like, new, uh, new creators to reduce their uh, risk in putting in money into a project. Because basically what Kickstarter is doing is, hey, if you pitch in money, you help create this project. And if you pitch in enough money, you might be able to get a copy of whatever this is. And it also lets you know the creator know is there a demand for this or not? So they still do all the work that's required to get these games published, released, and all that, but you're just pitching in money. And Kickstarter has two different uh, methods, one where if it reaches its goal, that's when they'll take the money, or another one where after the day's end because kickstarters have a certain amount of time they run for before they end if they re, even if they fail their goal on some of them that's when they'll take your money i forget what these two uh, what the names are of these two types of pledges
0: yeah essentially if you're a project creator you always want to go with the standard one which is the one that they've been using for years which is you want to have your funding goal and if you meet your funding goal you get the money if not, all the money is returned to the backers. Um, there's a lot of studies and research that shows that that's just the better way to do it. And if you can't get the money in that time period, then you need to sort of, you know, reform, recalculate your whole strategy and then fix your project and then put it back out there. Um, because the other way doesn't raise as much money. The other way is how Indiegogo uses
1: their stuff. Yeah, um, and yeah. the other the other way that we're talking about before we hop into Indiegogo and all that stuff is... Uh, it's commonly used in a lot of scam uh, Kickstarter's, which is I'm not saying that all Kickstarter all Kickstarters that does this are scams, but it's more common because it, you know, they fail then they run away with your money a lot of times, or, you know, on bad products, should I say? Like,
0: yeah, because again, it's people. not it's not Kickstarter making these projects; it's individual creators, and so it's really on them to be accountable and how much you trust them. And sort of like what their, you know, past experience with games and publishing is, you know, like because you can publicly see what they've backed, or you can't see what they backed, but you can see how many projects that they personally backed, and you can also see how many projects that they themselves have already kickstarted. And if you went into the games that they've already made themselves, you can say, okay, well, did they deliver? Did they actually do what they said they're going to do? Do they have a bad reputation? All this stuff is very important when considering who you should back. As far as finding a Kickstarter, there's actually tons of resources on YouTube, on Google, just searching through things and saying like, okay, Kickstarters, you know, come out in February, especially if you're looking for tabletop games. There's definitely a lot of YouTube channels and stuff that will cover that if you want to search for for that, just kind of like list of games that get released per month. But you can also search with their built-in search feature on Kickstarter where you can narrow it down to certain locations or certain types of projects, such as tabletop gaming. And uh, normally, too, once you start backing projects, it'll start figuring out what type of projects you like, and then it'll bring that up in the algorithm. So you'll be able to see it whenever you jump in on to Kickstarter, and you can see it uh, rise up on the algorithm.
1: Yeah, like, for example, for me, recommended for me, and it has a bunch of board games to kickstart or it has a bunch of miniatures. And then they also have a section of taking off, which means uh, game projects that are actually doing very well right now. And these are usually a bit more safer to uh fund, but that that doesn't mean don't do your research. You still have to su- do your research. And oh, yeah. on that yeah. And on that same topic where we we're going to th- which kickstarters to support and what to look out for which to support in general support the products you want don't just support something because it's like all right i'm just gonna throw money at this whatever you know you want it to be something you want
0: yeah and sort of covering what i said just a second ago is like you you can see how many projects they backed. you can see what they've released before you can do your research on them the ones that have a better track record, or maybe it's like a friend you know, or maybe it's a company that you've bought games from in the past. Like all that stuff should be factored in when considering to support them this time. And also a lot of the times... These project creators are very open and friendly, and you can go to their page and you can contact them. You can comment on their Kickstarter, or you can message them directly, or you can find them on Twitter or some other social media. I'm sure you can find their email as well. You can reach out to them if you have any concerns. A lot of people should be more than happy to answer and address those concerns. And honestly, if they don't address those concerns or they don't get back to you, Uh, especially if you give them a few days and they just don't say anything to you, I would say that's a red flag. But if they respond to you, uh, I'm sure that they'd be happy to address any concerns you have and help alleviate those so that you can feel comfortable being a backer of their project.
1: Yeah, and a lot of companies nowadays have a Kickstarter manager, which is somebody in charge of running their Kickstarter. So that means if you send in messages, they should be responding to those messages because so many people will ask, Depending on, you know, if it's a board game, hey, how how what's the quality of the pieces? What do you, you know, how, uh, how long should this game take? You know, they should be able to answer some of these basic questions based on what the product is, you know. Even when it's a board game, hey, does this game use dice? Does it come with dice? You know, stuff like that should be easy to answer.
0: Definitely. And, then- and there's a comment section too on the Kickstarter page so you can see where other people are asking questions publicly and then you can see like what the project creator is saying in response to them or what other people are saying because other people might know the answers and might be answering it too.
1: Yeah, and a lot of times they also add an FAQ section for commonly asked questions. So you can also look at that and see, oh, hey, they answered my question already. I don't need to message them for this. And sometimes after looking at that FAQ, you might have more knowledge than you expected for a game. And then what? I think something to look out for, though, Is if they're using a copyright or a trademark, make sure they have permission to do it. Like, oh hey, they're using Transformers for this board game. Do they have permission from Hasbro to use that? You know, because you can't just say, hey, I want to make a uh, uh, a World of Warcraft card game, and then oh yeah, they don't have the copyright. So you're investing in something that you can't, you know, that can't actually happen.
0: Yeah, and there's a lot of that that happens because it's not really filtered out by Kickstarter itself. You can have people that jump on there that are infringing on people's trademarks or trying to use other people's intellectual properties. And Kickstarter might stop it, but they also aren't really that's not really their position or the take that they take on it. Uh, They just sort of like have things approved, and then if there's issues, you like that ip holder has to most of the time come and and show kickstarter that they have an issue with it and then they just sort of like cancel the project or suspend it and they say okay you guys deal with it you know we're not going to be like a legal court system or anything here so you have to settle it that way but that does
1: happen a lot and vincent in your mind in your mind are there any red flags for you for kickstarter like the moment you see it it's like i'm worried
0: yeah, uh, one of the biggest ones is if a Kickstarter has like barely any artwork or anything put into it, and especially if it doesn't have its rules, like you can't find the rules or even or even like them discussing how the game is played at all. There's no, like no videos talking about the gameplay or anything. And there's just barely anything covering it and yet the project is getting a ton of funding. I find that really strange. Especially if they don't seem to have a big like social media presence. So it's like, okay, like where's this funding coming from? Like who's backing it? You know, they don't have like many followers on social media, but they're just getting tons of people to back it because that's very abnormal. Like most of the time the games that you see very successful they have tons of videos on it they have prominent names in the like youtube community that preview and review the game uh sort of like how is it played um you know things like that uh they show lots of um they have like a high quality video they have nice artwork i mean and and honestly it kind of gets to a whole nother problem which is like Kickstarter nowadays is sort of, is almost so manufactured that some people joke and say it's not even about kickstarting your project, it's more about like just finishing your project or like just kind of like already having it done. Like a lot of times on the creator end, you know, I'm told like, "Hey, you just need to have your game com- like 100% completed and like you need to be able to fund everything yourself and have everything funded on your own and then put the game on there to then raise money to manufacture it and ship it out." But to, to ask a creator, especially someone that's smaller, to fund all the artwork, all the prototypes, all the initial manufacturing, and then to also um, fund the advertising and the marketing and all that other stuff uh, before they get any money from it is a very hard thing to do. So it kind of goes both ways, but I definitely am, I, the, the biggest red flags are definitely the people that raise a ton of money without looking like they put any work into it, um, and you know, people don't really have to... It's not red flags at all if people have a super manufactured game. That's just kind of like a whole other thing going on, but it's not a red flag.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, I understand. And I also agree with you about not having rules because when I back a game, I want to know how to play. Or I want to at least... Especially when it comes to card games on Kickstarter, I want to know how to play with your cards because your cards could look amazing. But if I don't know how to play your gameplay could be awful and then you have nice looking cards that are not really fun to do anything with or in other situations you could have a board game that looks amazing and beautiful pieces It's like what do i do with this yeah
0: one of my big things too is i noticed a lot of games will have like beautiful art and like art that seems very expensive but that's like the that's the main thing that they have like they don't they won't have the gameplay or if they have the gameplay it doesn't actually even seem that fun and to me like a lot of times the art isn't that special to me it's just you can tell it's expensive art so it's like okay you can tell they invested in artwork but to me the gameplay is not really there and the other factors aren't really there but those projects will still tend to fund well but that's just kind of my own personal taste you know it's like okay well that wouldn't necessarily be for me but you know people still like that
1: no, yeah, and also on the artwork front, sometimes even when I see uh, tabletop games with bad, bad artwork, it's also a worry, because it's like, you know, I'm funding this, and this game, and so you have to pitch in at least the price of the base game to get a copy of the base game. So if I'm fun paying 20 dollars for the base game and the art is really bad, that's also a deterrent for me.
0: Yeah, honestly, though, at this point, too, I mean, everyone has subjective taste for art, but, like, b- basically, art should not look <laughs> bad at this point. In 2022, like, there's so many options and so many people that are like, very talented artists. Even if you're going in at it on a budget, you know, like, you know, I don't, I'm not the best artist, and I do some of my own artwork, and, you know, like... I, I see people out there on Kickstarter that has, like, art that's way worse than mine, and I'm like, okay, like, that's really bad. You need to, you know, you need to, you do need to bring that up, because that does cause some issues.
1: No, yeah, and then the other thing is, is uh, using licensed titles. Like, for example, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, or Transformers, again, like I said before. If, you, let's say you have permission to use that, now you have access to a lot of art from that. But just because you have a license, you have to make sure that the core of the game is fun. Because now you're like, oh, I have a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle game with the turtles, but it's not fun. So why do I want to play this?
0: Yeah, and unfortunately, you know, a lot of people, and I, I I myself do this too, but it's like very easy to back something because you love the IP, but that doesn't make the game good.
1: No, uh, yeah. There's a lot of games that are like that. And then there are a lot of games with, hey, what is, you know, what in the world is this? You know, it has a weird name. You never heard of it. It's not part of a franchise. You know, maybe the artwork is a little weird and maybe off-putting for some people, but the gameplay is amazing. You know, that's another thing that could happen.
0: Yeah, which admittedly it's tough for Kickstarters because a lot of times you don't have access to go to your local game store and test out the game before backing it you know like so it's really hard to tell like even if you watch a playthrough which you know i do encourage you do it's still hard to tell how much you'd actually enjoy the game if you sat down and played it
1: yourself especially because and also by the way most of these games are not single player games you have to have a group so is your group going to be willing to play these games that's the other thing hey can i Hey, Kevin, Taylor, whatever, let's play this game. Oh, you guys don't like it? Now I have a game sitting here that I Kickstarted nobody wants. (laughs) And then sometimes these Kickstarter games, you don't even see them in stores once they, you know, reach their goal because sometimes they never make it to market.
0: Yeah, that's true. And like we briefly mentioned earlier, a lot of Kickstarters will have special cards you'll get or special items or they'll come at a discounted price. There's a lot of incentives to go ahead and back the game, and so I don't know. It makes it it makes it really tough. But for me, in general, uh, games I back are games that I think are a good deal. You know, like as far as it. And by good deal, I don't mean like it has to be cheap or, or like something like that. I just mean it doesn't seem like they're trying to overprice it. You know, it's like okay, this makes sense comparatively to other games on the market that have similar amount of components and pieces. Even if it's kind of on the higher end on that, I'm okay. But if it's like notably higher, I I question that a bit. Um, I also love things that are very stylized and have like a cool theme. I love, uh, I definitely love like good design and good art and cool stuff going on with that. Um, I love like lore and I also love games that are very simple to teach and learn, but have strategy and have more depth beneath the surface that you might not know uh at first like I think I heard the term emergent gameplay recently and apparently that's what that describes so I would say like I'm very much into the whole like emergent gameplay aspect
1: No, yeah I love that in a lot of games like if I want a quick game I'm pretty sure a simple a simple game would do well if I want a long hour-long game yes I want it to be something like that where it's you know where oh, yeah, you could learn simple concepts at first, but the more you play it the more you learn these advanced combos maybe little things you didn't see before how certain things work together, you know Even even mechanics that the game has that you might not use until you're better much more comfortable with the game at at all
0: Yeah, and You know, like like we've said, there's a ton of different Kickstarters that you'll find. Uh, I'm sure you can find some that you like. You'll find some that you don't like. You have to be careful with your wallet, though. You don't want to spend all your money, especially because it can take a while before a project gets funded and then gets manufactured and delivered. That can be a whole other process. But, um, yeah, like, there's also a, a thing happening where we're now starting to see giant companies, you know, doing kickstarters and so that's kind of like a question too because kickstarter was sort of made with the idea of sort of like the indie person in mind you know the independent trying to get funding but now it's like become a common thing for certain big companies to use it as a platform to basically market themselves and kind of overshadow some of the smaller creators Um, i don't personally have a big issue with most of this because even the bigger companies like even though they're a lot bigger than i am like they're still not, like, super giant compared to, like, other industries and other companies. But, you know, I did hear, for example, I haven't looked into this myself, but I heard, like, Wizard of Coast have done some projects on Kickstarter, and I think that's kind of lame because, like, they're a multi-billionaire comp- you know, corporation. I don't necessarily think that's... I mean, it's within their right to do it, but, you know, it's just kind of weird.
1: No, I understand. And it's also Hasbro, like, for coming out a little bit of the of the tabletop and going into the toys area Hasbro's doing it with transformers to try and figure out if people want certain uh, products so it is being used as a hey do people actually want this kind of tool like i've seen so far that they're not trying to fund an entire project they're just trying to see if there's the the you know desire for it, so they can spend their money on it. Because I do understand you don't want to put a product a product out there and no one buys it. Oh hey, we spent thousand dollars on this. Buy our stuff. Why yeah. don't you want? Now it?
0: for that project though, like was it like massively funded, or did they like, or was it kind of teetering?
1: It well, I think it met its goal like barely, and it was supposed to be for a uh, a Unicron toy. Uh, it was supposed to be like a. At, Uh, giant-scale Unicron for, like, hardcore Transformer fans. So it was just more of a, hey, do people actually want this? And they met their basic goal, at least.
0: Yeah, I've seen people, like, in the community have some some contention with it. I don't personally have a strong opinion on it because I haven't looked much into that specifically. And, you know, it kind of raises up some questions. It's like, okay, well, they're not doing anything that's, like... I don't know like, it's definitely nothing that like breaks the law. It's nothing that's breaking the rules of Kickstarter, you know? So there's those things, but then, you know, I start to think, well, you know, there's definitely things you could do that doesn't break Kickstarter's rules or break the law that still wouldn't be like, you still wouldn't want to do. So, uh, I I don't know. It's a, it's a weird situation. And also I have a bias. And so I got to try to separate that from, (laughs) but
1: I I understand. Yeah.
0: Um, but moving on, uh, is there anything else you wanted to cover? Oh, well, I, we do have the alternatives to talk about real quick.
1: Yeah, and I was also going to still go over Kickstarter being used to pre-order instead of figuring out if people want an item. There are some companies like Renegade, the people, uh, Renegade Games, who are basically saying, "Hey, we have this product ready to go, but if you back us on Kickstarter, you can get it early, get some little bonuses." and you know, just pre-order this for when it comes out because uh, we're already in manufacturing. Just give us more money.
0: <laughs> which, that is weird because I do think that's technically against Kickstarter's terms and services. I'm pretty sure like whenever I make a project on Kickstarter, uh, you have to sign their agreement, which in part says that you agree that this isn't a pre-order service.
1: Yeah, they. I know they stopped using Kickstarter for their newest uh, pre-order. But their previous game, their previous, uh, they had three Kickstarters and each one was called a phase, phase one, phase two, phase three for their Power Rangers board game, which I ended up backing and I kind of got everything, but a lot of people were getting upset that everything they were advertising, Oh, Hey, we're going to put this on Kickstarter so you can pre-order it. And if you pre-order a certain amount of items, you'll get some, you'll get some bonus goodies you know and a lot of people were not very happy about
0: that yeah it's a sticky situation which uh you know in general i know we've covered a lot of bad things a lot of things to worry about and red flags and watch out for in general though like i think Ludwin, you told me i think you said that you'd back like a dozen projects
1: yes i have a like like i just mentioned now the power rangers kickstarter is when i backed and i love it's my favorite game i have also backed uh uh I have backed another board game called uh Cardadia Wild Hunt, which I'm kind of upset about, but that's a different thing. I also backed the game called Bristol uh, 1350. I've backed the Genki Shadowcast, which is a device to uh, to stream my Switch onto my you know onto my PC. I mean, that's about five projects I named, and I've gotten all of them.
0: Yeah, I've backed forty four projects and two of them I never received, and the other ones I have. So a pretty good ratio there. Um, it is unfortunate that I haven't received two of those, but, you know, pretty good ratio overall, and a lot of my favorite games have come from Kickstarter.
1: And the other thing is, you, if you never get your product, you can contact Kickstarter or the, uh, the, kick, the uh, Kickstarter you backed, to see if you can get a copy of your product sometimes they actually miss people shipping them out they get lost in post or if you find out the kickstarter is a scam sometimes kickstarter themselves will refund you the money it might take some time but at least they do try to protect you so it's not like oh you lost your money well too bad for you
0: yeah i i need to sort of pursue a little bit more into <laughs> into that <laughs> it, it's pretty tough when you're like super busy it's like uh you know you don't want to spend like a week of your time trying to like get you know 15 dollars back or whatever
1: i know it's when it's a small amount of money i can understand to just forget about it but when you back some of these games and people oh, go yeah. in yes. go into like 200 250 oh god no you want that money back
0: yeah i think one of the projects was 10 dollars, and then one project was like 25
1: I think I if it was me at the twenty five mark is when I would start getting my money back at the ten dollar mark I right, just keep it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I uh, I need to reach out to him. I just keep forgetting to be honest with you. Uh, with them though, I know my friend actually backed that same Kickstarter and then they received it. Uh, but yeah, I I just haven't received mine yet, and it's been I backed that like in twenty fifteen.
1: Oh wow, we're <laughs> in twenty twenty two. I know. <laughs> also. Like we said before, Kickstarters can take a long time. For example, the uh, Power Rangers Kickstarter, no, the uh, the uh, Wild Festival Kickstarter that I backed, actually took me about a year and a half to get from when they started the Kickstarter up into the point that I got it. And that's also because of the delays due to COVID. So I would, I would say
0: it's pretty standard for it to take about a year to two years. Yeah. Yeah, once it goes over two years, that's when it's like, okay, you're going to start noticing people getting upset, people getting angry. You'll see their comments start blowing up. They start getting a bad reputation all that stuff.
1: I think something that we should bring up is that Kickstarters have an update system. They can keep you updated on what's going on. Good Kickstarters will have at least, while they're going on, one update a week or two or more telling you hey this is what's going on this is what we're doing with the money that they have they have everything planned out a bad Kickstarter once they have your money you hear nothing at all
0: yeah for me I try to be very transparent with this Um, I do at least once a week when I run the project a lot of times it's it's a few more than once a week though because there's you know stuff going on stuff happening so you're going to want to update people about that after the Kickstarter is over Uh, I tend to make it a week for a little bit until there's like certain moments where it's like okay well I'm done with everything on my end but I'm waiting on the manufacturer and you know that might be two to three weeks and I don't have anything else to say so in my project update I might say hey guys just so you know everything's going well. Um, it may be another three weeks before you hear anything from me unless something else happens but the reason being is because everything's good on my end I'm just waiting for the manufacturer to get back to me so you know it's supposed to be about three weeks or so I'll update you when that happens. Um, so that's how I do it personally that's that's what I'm personally comfortable with and what I like. Uh, some people they want you to just keep it a week uh, regardless but to me it's like I don't want to do that because you're you have to notify every single person whenever you post an update. And I don't like the idea of, like, notifying every person every single week. Like, hey, nothing new to tell you, nothing new to tell you, nothing new to tell you. And then you might condition people to, like, not even check the important update that you do
1: have. Yeah, you're not wrong because even I, some of my Kickstarters have been updating and updating and updating. And it's like, some of these I don't care about. But I also understand why they do it. They want people to stay in the loop and understand, hey, we're actually working on this. Don't think we abandoned you. Because after a project gets funded, that is the time period where things will slow down. So a lot of companies either try and promote, try and get you hyped for the game in small little ways. Like maybe they might start releasing uh, art photos of the cards that haven't been revealed yet. And they might be, hey, we're revealing three cards every, every two weeks. You know, something to keep the players excited. Or, hey... Once, uh, we're releasing special rules for once the game releases. So you have alternative game modes, you know, things to keep the project, at least the hype up, because the moment the hype dies, people could start canceling their, their Kickstarter, uh, back backing.
0: Yeah. Which thankfully most people don't. And it's definitely appreciated as a creator. You know, there's a lot of stresses and pressures, you know, going on. There's a lot you're trying to do to make the game. So, um, you know, it's always nice to to retain people's support, and not have people, you know, get upset at you over the smallest things, and just being like, oh, you took a, you know, you took a little while to say this, or you know,
1: whatever. So, you know, yeah, and don't, don't be. A, I'm I'm gonna say this as a uh, as somebody who buys from Kickstarter, or you know, backs from Kickstarter, not as a back, you know, not as a uh, somebody who makes Kickstarters. Uh, don't be afraid to share bad news. It's going to happen. Hey uh because of covid prices have to go up so we have to adjust how much money we spend on everything or hey uh some product's going to be delayed due to port issues you know don't be afraid to say something happened
0: yeah and you can say bad things without being mean about it like i literally have one board game i backed that company uh they basically told me i was like you know how come i haven't got my game yet and they said that they messed up you know they They messed up something with the shipping, so they didn't ship it to me like they were supposed to. I wasn't upset at them for that, though. I said, that's fine. But then they said that they were going to have to raise uh, the shipping by $10 because shipping had gone up. And I was like, well, that's kind of weird because I already paid for the game and the shipping, and you guys forgot to ship it to me, and now you're charging me $10 extra. And then they were like, well, too bad. That's how it is, and you better pay up, you know, kind of thing. Like, they they're pretty rude about it so i actually knew one of the guys that worked on the project though and i forwarded at him the messages and he said yeah he's like that guy's a prick like you know i'm working on separating from this company because they have terrible like pr with people and like he he's heard multiple people complain about that guy
1: uh, yeah and then stuff like that can also scare people not scare people push people away from companies or even kickstarter in general because for example me backing a pioneer's board game and having such a good experience and quality with it renegade games has now become one of those companies that i think of when i think of board games and i have looked at their other products Uh, i know vincent and i have mentioned cryptozoic when a game is actually good enough you will remember their brand but when bad things happen you're going to also remember that brand and be like oh yeah i don't i don't like this company you know
0: yeah, that's very true. I like a lot. I've liked every single Cryptozoic game I played. So if I see one of their games on a shelf or on Kickstarter, I'm more likely to support that and buy it, on the fact that I've enjoyed their games and their quality. I think's good and everything. You know, has been good. You know, about that brand and that company for me. So I'm like, okay, cool. I can support this. Whereas this other company, I won't. I won't name uh, just yet. You know, I'll, I'll think <laughs> about it in the future. But there's this other big company that makes uh, board games and stuff. Uh, and it's not the one that people might be thinking that I'm talking about. It's a whole different one, uh, probably a company you haven't even heard about. Uh, but they're fairly big, and you know, they were just pretty rude to me. And even the, the guy that they were working with uh, that was a game designer, and artist that they had uh, employed, uh, he found a way out of his contract because they were causing so many issues. And he heard from so many people that they were being mean and just basically being pricks to people.
1: Yeah, and that's not something we kind of want in this community to begin with. You know, you want to feel included. You want to be able to walk up to a group of players playing a board game and be like, "Can I join?" Yeah, sure. Let us finish this round. You can jump in or whatever. Like we, because our because our hobby is so small, we want everybody who wants to join in come in, have fun with us. See why we're you know see why we love this, you know, and that's that's why uh, Kickstarter is so popular and these other alternatives. You know which we're about to bring up, because they're a way to bring out somebody's creation into the world.
0: Yeah, so essentially, to discuss the alternatives very briefly, Indiegogo is essentially another platform that's similar to Kickstarter. The main difference that they both have when they came out is Kickstarter had an all-or-nothing approach. You had to get complete funding, or you got no funding. Now, like Ludwin mentioned earlier, they now changed it where you can alter that to have the all-or-nothing, or you can have the alternative which is what Indiegogo does, which is you put a project up there and you can keep raising money for it, but it's not an all or nothing type thing. Uh, People don't normally feel the hype though. There's not like really momentum. There's not really a drive and it doesn't really do as well as Kickstarter. So it's not really as recommended and you won't really find as much board game products on there. So for board gamers specifically, you want to go to Kickstarter. GoFundMe is more uh, charitable based. It's more charity. Uh, Like normally when I see things on there, it's like, hey, like someone... Needs help paying for their house that they've you know maybe they lost their home in a fire or maybe they have hospital bills. It's a lot more in that sort of like charitable helping people out in the community type uh, feel and not not as much like board game stuff. And then Game Fund started off as being sort of like a Kickstarter add-on where you could use game fund and connect it to your Kickstarter project and on the back end as a creator it would give you more analytics and it give you more tools and options that actually helps you as a creator when it comes to managing a lot of different information and doing project updates and stuff like that so it's like a back-end tool now they've been using that for years and now they have come out as a fully fledged Kickstarter type platform but they're specifically used for nothing but tabletop games so they're really trying to compete with kickstarter on that front i don't really know like what ratio they have compared to kickstarter i'd say kickstarter is probably a decent bit bigger than gamefound but i do think gamefound is growing they partnered up with the company that made disney's villainous which they made a bunch of other stuff um, that I don't know because I'm not as familiar with that company and those games. But you know, if they're partnered with Disney, then you know that's a pretty big uh, get for GameFound. Uh, so they partnered up together, and they're 100% like exclusive to GameFound. And they're now investors as well, so they're helping uh, build up GameFound.
1: Okay. And going back to Indiegogo for a moment, just so people are aware indiegogo and the difference between indiegogo and kickstarter is for kickstarter you need to already have a prototype or something for of your pro of your a project in order for kickstarter to accept it for indiegogo all you could have is an idea hey this is what we want to do the idea could be outrageous and not even work but that's that's another difference between the
0: two. Well, that's the idea, but honestly, I shared a Kickstarter with you. I think a week ago, and we were looking at it, and it had, it was for a card game that all it had was, was one piece of art, and no gameplay, no description of the game, nothing else. And but they had
1: the cards. The thing is, they had the, the product already ready. No, the no, thing.
0: they didn't have any cards. They showed no cards at all.
1: Wait.
0: It might. I might be, I well, might
1: be thinking of a different game then.
0: Yeah, I shared a lot of different ones with you, so I, I definitely like you definitely could be thinking of a different card game or a different thing i showed you but i've been seeing some things on kickstarter that look very much like okay this does not look like a, a put together project or game at all but i don't know i mean i guess things can like slip through the cracks or something
1: no yeah that's a big issue on kickstarter that's still being fixed where things are slipping through the cracks but also looking at game found yeah they have nothing but board games but they look so similar to Kickstarter. I really can't tell the difference just by looking at it. Well, yeah. I, think, I think it's because they have more details, and their add-ons are straightforward, too.
0: Yeah, the add-ons is, like, a huge plus for GameFound. Like, they make the add-on system, like, way better. And for those listening, if you don't know what add-ons are, it's essentially, like, you can get the base game but add-ons could be expansions or maybe it's other games that company made so you can just easily add it on to your purchase so you can get everything together and save on shipping.
1: Or components, like additional components, because some games might offer uh, flat tokens or cardboard tokens, but then as an add-on, you could have, hey, I have metal tokens instead, you know, stuff like that. So add-ons could be anything that adds on to the game's experience in a sense that the company makes it will differ from game to game
0: definitely and Gamefound has a very game founds are harder to set up uh because i i around setting one up and i have one on the back end of my other world's kickstarter and they can be a little bit more confusing a little bit more challenging for the creator perspective but they also uh, look nice to backers and they have some nice features that kickstarter doesn't have
1: I, I'm looking through it, and I love that they have a section. They have everything organized on the left-hand side. Like, oh, look, rule book. I can read the rules right away. I can go search about their other stuff, you know, I, really quickly without having to scroll down. I just click on the uh, click on the tab, and it takes me to it.
0: Oh, yeah. So, Ludwin, I think we're ready for the Q&A. I know our podcast is running long today, so uh, let's oh, – yeah. Yeah, let's let's get into some of these Q and A's, uh, and we'll be rounding out the show. So, so for our Q and A questions today are from Noah Marshall. Thank you, Noah, so much for sending us your questions. I really appreciate it. Uh, first question is from past experiences. I've committed to Kickstarter uh, that I've committed to Kickstarters that never come through. How does Kickstarter handle those kind of situations? Do I just chalk it up as a loss, or do the makers have any repercussions?
1: So from what I know is depending, like we talked about backing methods. If it's a project that, uh, that has to reach its goal, they never take the money out of your account to begin with. They'll only take it out once it reaches its goal and the funding time is over because every project has an amount of time before the project ends. And that's when they'll take out the money if they reach their goal. If it's a project that has the alternative method we talked about, if you never get your product, you can either contact Kickstarter directly and get your money back. That's, you know, that's all I can say on that front from what I know.
0: Yeah, I honestly can't say that you will get your money back though because I do believe there is something in the user agreement when you go to back a project at some point it basically says like hey, you understand that you're backing this, you know, that's why they don't call it buying it or pre-ordering it because it's not a guarantee, unfortunately. And there have been cases where people just sort of like run off with people's money. Now, granted, it's very few and far between. It doesn't happen too often. Um, it happens more in other spaces, like in the video game space it happens because a lot of times those projects will ask for like a few million dollars and it turns out they needed like a hundred million. So they're just like way over their heads on it and they just they just can't make it. So like it just doesn't ever come to fruition. But um, as far as I know, like I haven't tried to pursue it a whole lot. Um, but you might be out of that money and that's just an unfortunate uh, loss with kickstarter but just keep in mind the person who made it and the company that they're part of and uh, definitely reach out to them though because like ludwin said like you can definitely reach out to them you can ask them it could be a miscommunication it could be something that they accidentally missed you know there's a lot of numbers and, and shipping addresses and a lot of things that can happen so i wouldn't put it past the company to accidentally shipping it to you and it definitely could be that so definitely reach out to them and try to figure it out but i do think there is there is the,
1: the a chance that you won't get any money back and the other thing is make sure you do your research before backing the kickstarter because a lot of times in the comment section before kickstarter ends if someone is upset about something you can read it in the comment section and find out why they're upset Because sometimes some of these people are shady making these Kickstarters, and it's something we got to look out for.
0: Yeah, and that's not to say just because you see someone upset, that doesn't mean that that Kickstarter project creator is doing something shady or wrong. Because sometimes you you just have people that get upset for no good reason. But if you see people getting upset, especially if there's multiple people getting upset, then that definitely should raise some red flags. Yes. Alright, so for our second question is, when making a game, when do you feel comfortable making a Kickstarter? After a rough concept, after a prototype, or can you go just based off of an idea? Okay, so for Kickstarter, you definitely want it to be as finished as possible. A lot of people in the industry will say that it needs to be basically complete. Uh, For me personally, I sort of go against recommendation, which is I, I basically normally put a Kickstarter out there when most of the artwork's done, if not all of it. Uh, most of the rules are done, if not all of it. And the game's been play tested a good bit. Um, so I have it mostly done. I'd say, like, instead of waiting until it's 100% done, I normally wait until it's about 90% done, and I put it out there. Uh, just because it does hurt your funding, the the less complete it is. And the more you can sort of show it as being complete, the more people can sort of see it and envision themselves playing it and seeing that that being on their tabletops and them seeing it as a real finalized project. Um, as far as like just having a concept for it, uh, it won't really work on Kickstarter. You know, Ludwin mentioned that you could put that on Indiegogo, but I don't think that's a good idea because I think in general you're just not going to really see the money that you would want to sort of make that project a reality and i think it's just better to sort of like put some funding into that project uh for example with spell slingers that started off with like i think it was a 300 hundred dollar investment so you know while 300 dollars is a good bit of money you know anyone that has a job can start saving you know even I don't know thirty bucks a week, and then you just save it for ten weeks, and you you know you have that money. You can buy some like art to promote it with, and obviously Spell Slingers doesn't have a whole lot of artwork. It relies a lot on the graphic design and the symbols. That was part of why I made it, because that was like my first big game I was putting out there that was made to sort of like be able to function and work without having to have a ten thousand dollar art budget.
1: Yeah, and since I've never made a Kickstarter, I'm more of a uh, I'm more of a backer. So if I see something that's not very complete, I'm not going to be feel very safe backing, you know, backing it. I have I rather have as much information as possible. Even if you don't have your cards printed yet. Like I know you're going as a result, your Kickstarter is going to need more money to reach that completion stage, but if I can see that hey, you have an amazing you already have amazing artwork set aside, you already have a good set of rules, already have your basic ideas and everything that you want to do and you already have some prototype doesn't have to be the final project product but you have prototypes at least okay i'm a bit more excited because i can at least start like vincent said visualizing how i'm going to play this game and depending on how the pieces look and stuff like that that can also get me and my group excited based on what people like oh i like these rules i want i would love to play this game you know stuff like that
0: yeah, so I have a game I'm working on to set up on Kickstarter. It's called Heart Seeker. It's a nice, you know, board game that has, you know, cool design and stuff like that. I already have a prototype made. You know, I personally use the Game Crafter, which is a great place to use. It's U.S. based. It's easy to, to you know, make your game through them, and then they can ship off the single copy to you. You know, it might be a little bit more expensive per copy, but you don't have to manufacture like a thousand copies at a time, which is what you need the Kickstarter for. So. You know, you're able, it doesn't have to be a ton of money. You know, you can make the, your one little, you know, prototype and, and manufacture it through someone like the Game Crafter and then use that to promote on your Kickstarter until you raise the funds to then make your finalized like giant order.
1: And then, like we said before, you can end up making stretch goals if your product ends up becoming more popular than you expected. Oh, hey, I only need $1,000, but you end up getting 5000 Okay, you can make stretch goals to try and excite people to put in more money and also improve your product because sometimes you can improve it in ways that you didn't expect. sometimes comments can help out or even increase the quality of the whatever you're, you're using. Oh, instead of using cardboard pieces, we'll use little wooden pieces because we can afford that now you know because little stuff like that, will excite and interest people in your game and get them immersed in that game sometimes.
0: Yeah, a lot of people like component upgrades, and I do recommend that above things like T-shirts, enamel pins, and a lot of like extra merchandise. I'm a huge fan of merchandise like that, and I've definitely made some for Vindicated and what I do. But when it comes to a Kickstarter, it can be way easier to have someone print T-shirts and they're shipped to you, but then you run into an issue where you know, what if you have their game, but you don't have all the different merchandise ready, and then so you can't, like, ship out everything till you have everything together, but it's taking it longer for them to get their product now because you're having to wait on these extra little pieces and for this and that. When it comes to the component upgrades, all that is built into the game itself, so all that will be ready and shipped together, so it's a lot easier to sort of manage it all on its own.
1: Yeah, I agree with you there. I'm not a fan of, uh, like pens pins and stuff like that i'd rather have my game be better like if you can pitch in more money to improve my game i'll be happier or if you can improve add bonuses that help with this with the game for example if it's a card based game like not a tcg but a board game that uses cards hey include sleeves that protect the cards if you want or increase the card stock of the you know of the cards or even increase the tokens or a storage box that you know or improve the card the box that the game comes in so that way it's more durable or something to make the game better for me
0: definitely and the third question and the final one is what's the time from when a project is posted slash fulfilled to it actually being made into a tangible game you can distribute and how do you go about that as an independent creator
1: Okay, that sounds more like you territory, but I know from me backing a game that uh, usually I know when they first get created, it's uh, they usually put 30, 30 days or a little longer, and then from thirty days to completion of the of the you know the completion of the Kickstarter, then from there it can take up to a year or more for that game to become a published game to be everybody get their copies. Yeah, And then after after that, it could take a couple months more to reach markets.
0: Yeah, I'd say about a year is what you can expect. Um, It could go a little longer uh, if you run into some complications and some issues. Two years is definitely on the long end of that spectrum. And once it gets past two years is when it's, it's pretty bad. It's like, okay, this is going really bad. And really it shouldn't take two years for the vast majority of projects. And that's like, like I said, that's only if things are going, you know, kind of wrong, but they're still trucking along sort of deal. Uh, but yeah, you're, you're looking at about a year for most things. Um, but with that being said, I know with Spellslingers, I believe I kickstarted that in April and I had it, uh, sent to everyone's I had it delivered to everyone in November, I believe. So it was from April to November, and I think Guillotine was on a similar basis. So for like the simpler card games, uh, I was out to, I was able to have
1: those out within the year. Yeah, I know. For me, I backed a card game called Muffin Time, and uh, it took because of so many delays and issues, and because of COVID hitting. It actually ended up taking a year and a half to get published and I think it took a couple more months to even ship out due to shipping issues and all that. So you do have to account for the state of the world and what's going on too because games could get completed but it could get stuck somewhere along the way too.
0: Yeah, and as far as about, like, going into the nitty-gritty about, like, how the game's actually made, about, like, contacting the manufacturer or going through a publisher... And, like, getting price quotes from people and whether or not you're paying, like, a shipping company to, you know, pick up the imported games that were manufactured overseas to then deliver it to a warehouse that then you have to pay someone to deliver it to you and all that stuff. Uh, We can't get into all that in this podcast episode because that that in itself could be its own topic Uh, because that's a whole... Like, that, that's a whole mess uh, in itself, and it's a lot. It's a can of worms. Yeah, it's a big I'm, can of worms. and It's, like, my least favorite can of worms, too, because it's, like, my least favorite part about being a game designer. It's just, like, dealing with all the, like, logistical issues.
1: I'm sometimes I'm glad I'm just a player, and all I do is wait for the products to release while you're out there. Oh, we got I gotta I gotta call and make sure this is coming out right, or they sent me the prototypes and they were bad, and all that stuff.
0: Yeah, I'll say there's definitely a reason why I have a handful of digital, like you know, uh, like why I made some a lot of. Uh, PDF based Kickstarters because while I've had some physical ones, I've also done you know Legendaria, which is all PDF based. I've done a lot of other world stuff that's all PDF based. So uh, it's not that I don't want those things to be physical. It's just like man, it's like so much of a relief not to have to worry about the physical shipping and all that stuff. But of course, you know I love making physical games, and you know that's really where my heart is. So uh, it's kind of like a trade off. So I just kind of go back and forth on it.
1: I find digital a little. Uh difficult for me to focus on because I rather have the pieces and stuff right in front of me. Like, oh, I can mess around with this. I can actually read the card myself or look at the rule book myself because there are a couple board games switching over to digital and I'm not I'm not too happy about that. Yeah, <laughs> no, I mean trust I'm, me,
0: I'm definitely someone who loves smelling cardboard and rolling dice, so I'm right there with you.
1: Yeah. I guess this is the end of the podcast. I think we covered all the major topics you wanted to, right?
0: yeah yeah for sure um if anyone listening has any more questions they'd like us to do in a follow-up episode let us know it can be about kickstarter or it can be about something that we covered in the past or something that you'd like us to cover in the future we'd love to talk more about it because you know tabletop gaming is ludwin and i's passion and uh you know huge shout out to dylan you know for giving us some uh, glorious praise on social media saying that he really appreciated uh you know what we had to say about his questions and um you know saying that he wants us to make some t-shirts so he can buy some and uh you know that he just appreciated the passion that we have for everything so really appreciate you dylan really appreciate you noah for asking questions really appreciate patrick and hayden for asking us questions for our last episode just everyone has been so kind and just we really appreciate it
1: hey just keep hey just keep those questions coming let us know what you want i'm just happy to hear that people are liking the topics and everything so you know have a good day everybody
0: (laughs) yeah because i mean ludwin and i we we got you covered we we know a lot about this industry and we cover a lot of different aspects as well so that's why that's why i actually came to ludwin was like hey we needed to do this like you're the guy you're the guy i need to partner up with this
1: i feel like one issue we do have though is we're a little scatter scatterbrain at times on certain topics that we do jump around here and there and we're getting better at focusing but yeah <laughs> yeah that is
0: because because that's kind of my thing like I'm i'm the scatterbrain guy so it's like trying to it's like Ludwin it's like you're like well you're probably thinking like why am I the guy trying to reel this in like I'm scatterbrained too
1: (laughs) yeah you're not wrong about there it's like all right let's talk about this oh you know (laughs) Yu-Gi-Oh
0: yeah I think we're doing pretty good but you guys let us know thank you so much we appreciate you subscribe follow share all that good stuff take care
1: stay awesome yep stay safe Mm -hmm.